What's up, QAA listeners? The fun games have begun. I found a way to connect to the internet. I'm sorry, boy. Welcome, listener, to chapter 210 of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, the Balenciaga Yay Club Q episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rokotansky, Liv Agar, Julian Fields, and Travis View. What's up, everybody? We are back from tour, and our bodies have been resting in vats of adrenochrome for a few days now, so we thought we'd crawl naked out into the light and deliver you a flurry of news growing more muddled and incomprehensible by the day. Now, unfortunately, the adrenochrome did not take away Jake's allergies and his tummy hurts. Uh It did not take away whatever Travis has, which is some sort of super flu. Liv, are you sick too? Is there something wrong with you? I'm also sick. Yeah, I've been sick for like two weeks. Fantastic. So I'm the only one who's even remotely healthy in this group right now. Yeah, Yeah. I I also was in a a really bad car accident uh, on the way to visit my family for Thanksgiving. Everybody is fine. Everybody's fine. But I am a shell of a man. I don't know how to go forward. I look at my Xbox controller and it looks like a completely foreign thing to me that I I don't care about. I I, I don't know what's going to happen to me, but I have a feeling that talking about these super Super not depressing uh, slash infuriating slash confusing topics will make me feel so much better. Jake's been sitting uh, naked in the bathroom with the Xbox controller (laughs) inside his mouth (laughs) like it's a gun. He he tries to open GTA and he's like, has to get in the car and he's like, no. Coincidentally, I do think that my, you know, 300 or so hours in GTA. Okay allowed me to assess the speed uh, and direction of the oncoming vehicle. Uh, And I was able, uh, you know, my hand-eye coordination is pretty good. I was able to to, uh, turn my car just enough uh, so that me, my wife, and Teddy uh, did not perish in a fiery wreck. That tracks because, yeah, there haven't been many accidents since the release of GTA. And uh, <laughs> before that, there was just no way for people to understand where cars were going or what speed they were going. Yeah, I, I made the mistake of of telling my mother-in-law that uh, I, I, I thought maybe my, my hours of video games uh, potentially uh, were what saved us. And she offered a different explanation, um, that it was angels and Jesus <laughs> instead. So... So, you know, somewhere in between yeah. those two things is probably the truth. Yeah, that's for sure, for sure. Just aim for the middle ground there. <laughs> so today we're going to be chatting about so-called Balenciaga Gate, which has caused an outbreak of QAnon discourse that somehow dovetailed perfectly with the very public anti-Semitic meltdown of Ye, the artist formerly known as Kanye West. Now, if Ye gets his druthers, based on his current claims, which you know, also, it does seem clear like he won't, that he won't at all. Uh, but if he did, we'd potentially have a presidential cabinet that would include Nick Fuentes and Milo Yiannopoulos, two absolute right-wing psychos, if you're not familiar, who are very much on board with blaming Jewish people for everything. Yeah. I mean, Fuentes is, is even beyond that. Shit. He's, he's such a little shit. He's such a little shit. He's very much a little shit. And he, he just has said so many horrible racist things about black people. But yay is in his White Lives Matter face. So who am I to question the logic of, of his choice of friends these days? 
every single video, and we'll get into it, but every single video with Milo in it, and I watched some like, you know, um, kind of TMZ style reporters take him aside and talk to him alone uh, during some of these like outings he's had with Ye. And he is the most gacked up I've ever seen somebody. He is on <laughs> the drugs, like in a way where it's like he has meth body language. Like not, not, not like coming down, like high as shit on meth. Like basic body motor function is like wiling out. And um, his facial expressions are just, yeah, he looks like Roger Stone being interrogated. Uh, it's, it's bad, folks. Everything is really bad vibes about the whole situation. We'll get into it in a second. Um, and we will also be covering um, how the Club Q shooting became the latest horrible flashpoint in the war on LGBTQ people being waged by an increasingly conspiracy-minded political right wing. Uh, that's a pretty, pretty grim tale and story. So we've... we've We've told Liv, you you handle this. <laughs> you can't get depressed. You're too young. Uh, but before all that, we're going to have to check in on Elon Musk's push to restore banned accounts on Twitter, which may see all of our QAnon faves return to the platform. All of this, of course, while Q has been posting new drops. That's right. I am diagnosing you, listener, with a terminal case of QAnon News. Yeah, so unfortunately, Q keeps posting. Q keeps making new drops. Um, these, um, despite the fact that recent technical blunders have all but outed um, Jim Watkins or one of his associates as the people who are making these things. And despite the fact that even a lot of QAnon influencers are skeptical of these new drops, Q keeps chugging along. So uh, these new drops all happened on November 27th. And uh, as friend of the show, Karma pointed out, uh, 8 Kuno owner Jim Watkins was really, really enthusiastic about these uh, new new drops. I will stop. You know what? what? There were three Q posts yesterday. Why, yes, there how were. About <laughs> how about that? How about it, Jim? How about it? Yeah, how about that? How about that? So, this is the first drop. Be aware of false prophets. I am not a prophet. You are not a prophet. Oh, boy. <laughs> we are not prophets. Focus on the mission. Cue. Inspiring stuff. The season two writers, they really... I'm sorry, there must be a writer strike or something. Yeah, they... Yeah. <laughs> this is a Battlestar Galactica is, situation. Oh, boy. I mean, this sounds like a, a Barney song. It's like, <laughs> I am not a prophet. You are not a prophet. We are not prophets. Focus on the mission. Remember when, like, the main worry when Q came back was like, oh, what if Watkins hires some, like, actually competent Democrat, like, to, to actually make some some Q drops that do more damage? And, like, but, yeah. like, no, it's just, it's, like, even worse than it was well, yeah. before, even more uninspired. You would say that to improve Q drops, you should replace the famous author of Sliced Americana, Jim <laughs> Watkins, novelist, uh, auto-published under the Is You're It right. Wet Yet... <laughs> publishing company <laughs> this esteemed author uh president many panels i'm not trusting the plan i'm sorry <laughs> yeah yeah you know what and and yeah whoever whoever is uh doing this is is 
not trusting the process. You know, you got to make an outline. Uh, you, okay. you know, you got to well, figure out. You know, you got to figure what's it. your beginning, middle, and end here. Right, you well, know? Don't we offer got, this for free, Jake. You could charge people on Instagram for this. I've uh, seen I, ads for this. I kind will of thing. be uh, holding a seminar on how to uh, properly write exciting Q drops. <laughs> um, I'm going to be starting my own Patreon. The minimum, the minimum sign-up fee is uh, one thousand dollars. The Jake Rockatansky fascist propaganda masterclass. Yeah, yeah. exactly. How to write. For fascist fantasy. It'll open with me just like kind of like, I don't know. Uh, Being 20 minutes late because your tummy hurts? 20 minutes late because my tummy hurts um, in front of like a black screen being and just kind of like laying back. Like I'll, I'll, I'll like take a like a, a hit yeah. off the vape and I'll be like, so you want to be a writer? <laughs> yeah that sucks uh anything else travis any other fucking gems well i want to point out there are a couple things that are kind of confusing about this is that um he is i mean in the in this post q is essentially telling the q followers to not trust q to predict the future which is um unusual because you know a common q phrase is like nothing can stop what is coming people often believe that you know q has some special insight in what is happening and now q is kind of like i don't know throwing some cold water on the idea that q actually has some can provide some information about what's what's uh coming down the pipeline and uh, the other weird thing is that Q referred to themselves in the first person here. I am not a prophet. I checked through a lot of Q posts. I mean, I, I searched through as many as I could, but I'm pretty sure this is the only time that Q referred to themselves as I. Usually Q referred to themselves as we. This is based on the concept that Q is actually a group of military intelligence officials. Mm -hmm. um, so this is, um, I don't know, a little bit out of character in a yeah. couple ways for Q. Potentially a fuck up. Is this yeah. maybe just Jim Watkins trying to prove to the feds who are, you know, increasingly on to him that like Q drops are not to be worried about because they're just terrible? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Now, the second Q drop was just an indication that Q is going to do a, like, a ask me anything or a Q&A session before. Um, I remember Q did one of these all the way back in 2018. This was the one in which uh, Q was asked, like, you know, is the Earth flat or is Seth Rich alive? Uh, is JFK Jr. alive? These sorts of questions. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm curious if that's the kind of uh, questions Q will get for the upcoming Q&A. I guess we're going to have to, you know, get some accounts going and ask some uh, questions. God damn it. The third Q drop makes reference to DNA as characteristically cryptic, but it may refer to the false claim that the COVID vaccine changes your DNA somehow. It does not. That's not true. I got, I got, I got, I got royalty, got royalty inside my DNA. <laughs> what is coded in your DNA? Who put it there? Why? Mankind is repressed. We will be repressed no more. Information is knowledge. Knowledge is power. Information is power. How do you protect your DNA? There is a war for your DNA. Protect your DNA. Ascension. Q. Yikes, stripes, fruit stripes, gum. This is like... What the fuck? <laughs> 
what what is coded in your what is coded in your DNA? Who yeah. put it there? Um, I think that this is actually relevant because Jim Watkins' DNA is clearly deteriorating. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's becoming a different type of life form that that would l- watch these drops come in and go, "Wow, amazing!" You you guys don't think this has anything to do with the um? The, there's like alien shit creeping in here, you know? Oh, about it's like the, mRNA stuff and like yeah, how like well, human beings. You know, here's the funny know. thing. And look, uh, looking at the responses to this one, there other people did sort of uh, bring up you know, reptilian stuff. The sort of the belief that mm. you know, yes, that, because uh, the hybrids and uh, yes, our yes, DNA was hybrids. crossed, yada yada. Yes, exactly. So there was the, there was some claims that you know people referenced the you know, the Anunnaki and stuff, but uh, yeah, so that's that's a possibility too. But yeah, yeah. So those are the drops, and I want to say it sounds like Q was back to posting, and I'm not gonna cover every single Q drop going forward. Okay, for I guess one. we will. Like, maybe you will. Thanks, Travis. We, listen, we didn't cover every fucking, single Q drop. Thanks for fucking even dropping when us. Q was actively that's because there posting. were thousands of them. We're getting morsels these but, days. It's a famine. But. but but here's the thing is that like even even like the QAnon community is like meh yeah. about these new Q drops yeah. nowadays. Well, people want to hear it in Jake's voice and <laughs> us make fun of it. Even if it's just to say they're dumb every time, I think people enjoy it. Right, right. into Travis to make sure he know. understands how much you enjoy <laughs> yeah. that. <laughs> but yeah, no, it appears that um, with these drops, uh, Q is finally doing big potty. <laughs> It seems to me that like QAnon is simultaneously super important and now also not important at all. No, yeah. Like its effects are just like here forever Mm -hmm. and just as like defined even like Republican politics more broadly. But all of the new stuff just doesn't matter. Yeah, no, this is like the Vegas, Vegas phase where they have a show in Vegas. They're completely (laughs) irrelevant. (laughs) Nothing's in the top hundred anymore. Play the hits. I also have to talk about the ongoing saga of Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter. Now, this has been really chaotic, has involved uh, massive layoffs and resignations, including the resignation of former head of safety Yoel Roth. The initial rollout of the new Twitter Blue, which included you know the $8 paid blue checkmark that uh, Elon was bragging about, that was paused after lots of people used that verified blue checkmark to impersonate brands. This included an account impersonating the pharmaceutical brand Eli Lilly, announcing that insulin was now free. So reportedly, half of Twitter's top advertisers have paused their ad spend for the site. Elon Musk, in his new capacity as the head of Twitter, has started the process of bringing back previously suspended accounts. Most notably, he restored the accounts of former President Trump, which he, you know, which was suspended in the aftermath of the January 6th attacks. Uh, but since Trump is heavily invested in his own platform, Truth Social, he has not tweeted yet. Big respect for the yeah, self-control. That is a lot of self-control on, <laughs> yeah. on the account of the former president. I fucking hate the fact that Elon Musk sort of like gives cover for decisions he's already made by making a Twitter poll. It's such bullshit because he, he's yeah. trying to pretend he's trying to pretend like it's like, oh, you know, should I do this thing that I said I was promised I was going to do? And he throws up this Twitter poll and he, say, he says this, you know, Vox Populi, Vox Day, and it claims that it was part of a democratic process as out of his hands. It's like, fuck off. You're 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 it's Elon, so patronizing. Elon is also like replying in earnest to like some of the like slimiest accounts like on Twitter, like Treating them like they're not, you know, uh, uh, like the chewed up starburst at like the bottom of my pocket, you know? Yeah. 
he exclusively replies to people who have appeared on Tucker Carlson. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. Cat Turd hasn't showed its face. <laughs> According to the outlet Platformer, Twitter has begun the process of reinstating roughly 62,000 accounts with more than 10,000 followers. Internally, Twitter employees refer to this mass reinstatement as the Big Bang. Okay. Yeah. Or, or Travis, as you so eloquently put it on Twitter, uh, the the gif of um, the Ghostbusters firehouse exploding once the containment unit is shut down. <laughs> yeah. Such an apt. Oh, of I, course he loves it's, it. Oh, you could not have God a better uh, a better uh, uh, popular culture analogy of, of like everybody shaking their heads and being like, no, you don't want to do this. Like then you've got you you know possessed like you know out of his mind. Rick Moranis sniffing at the guy's hand as he shuts down the thing. I mean, what a perfect analogy. And then for... the uh, and then the puff marshmallow man was like, "No, I went to work for Michelin. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm not coming back." <laughs> so, among those who have had their accounts restored so far is the white nationalist Patrick Casey, who is the leader of the alt right group Identity Europa. So this is the, you know, the kind of people we should expect to come back. But I think, uh, you know, the real test is whether or not, like, the all-stars of QAnon are going to return to Twitter. Like, are we going to see the return of Joe M., Jordan Sather, mm-hmm. Praying Medic, these sorts of people? Because, you know, if that happens, then uh, the, Twitter will be, truly be uh, hard to distinguish from 8-Coon. Everything is just summer of 2020 forever. Yes. Mm-hmm. People just underestimate the power of internet relay chat. And uh, we are entering the mod wars phase of social media. Yeah. I'm here <laughs> for it. Some people are fleeing the Mastodon. Other people are going to this startup called uh, Post News. Now, I'm one, one Post issue nudes. with Post what, Nudes. Yeah. <laughs> one issue with this is uh, I'm, I'm told that uh, one of the major investors of this um, is Andreessen Horowitz. Yeah. Who's like another just, you know, VC psychopath, you know, a little different from um, uh, Elon Musk himself. The other one I he- keep hearing is like Hive Social. Ugh. I, you know, it, I mean, this is this is a kind of interesting if like if Elon's takeover does, in fact, like kind of like fracture um, sort of like how people use social media. It'll be kind of like, um, I guess, like the early 2000s or like late 90s Internet in which there weren't there weren't just like one or two major dominant sites that just everyone had to use if you were on social media at all. There were like dozens of like sites that people kind of fractured into. Yeah, sort of uh, sort of they were all part of like a smaller community. Community, rather than one big community consisting of h- hundreds of millions of people. People are going back to something awful, folks. They're paying <laughs> more than $8 a month. We're, we're resurrecting low tax. <laughs> like what, yeah, what could be better than everybody siphoning off into smaller groups with yeah, where they're surrounded even more so by people who, who uh, you know, agree with them? And but, he, but that's exactly it. This is why it'll never work. They can't stay on Matt. There's nobody mm-hmm. to fight. There's yeah, nobody no. to fight. You can't be on the front lines of uh, of a digital information war, as so many like to claim, and then just like spend time hanging out and like HQ, you know, HQ, smoking cigs, playing cards, <laughs> you know, having a good time with the yeah. other soldiers. Okay. No, 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 Jake no. Is... You gotta be on the front lines. You okay. gotta be okay. fighting, <laughs> you know, you your ideological enemies. Right. Uh, I honestly think like <laughs> Twitter, like people aren't actually leaving Twitter. Everyone's gonna stay on this no. website till it dies. 
Yeah, of course. Um, it's like when everybody said they were going to fucking leave America when Trump got elected. Wrong! Yeah. Yeah, you exactly. didn't. Because, like, the reason why the people on the right left was because they were banned. Like, they couldn't. Mm, yeah. They wanted to go on the bigger sites, but they couldn't. That's Whereas true. Whereas I don't think that'll be a problem for libs. To some respect, I mean, it seems like a lot more left-wing accounts are yeah. being banned, but but not enough on the same scale, I think. Yeah, yeah, that is true. That's something else worth pointing out that, like, disconcertingly, some, um, like, some left-wing accounts, like, for example, Antifa activist Chad Loader got his account banned shortly after uh, Elon Musk had a interaction with, you know, uh, right-wing propagandist Andy No. So it may be the case that, like, you know, uh, that, that you know, obviously it, it would be surprising. I mean, Elon Musk is a bullshitter. So, uh, so wouldn't be surprised if, like, he starts, like, cracking down on, like, left-wing accounts hey this is something you called a long time ago travis the banhammer is fickle the banhammer is based on people's moods and that's how it goes he's got the banhammer and he paid a lot of money for this banhammer and he's gonna use it and for whatever reason to me it seems like elon has framed like the right and the alt-right as like the popular kids you know it seems like that is very funny he's (laughs) it seems like he really wants to get in their good graces oh my god imagine to make them laugh he wants imagine wanting ian miles chong to think yeah yeah he has he has truly for having that much money man you can't debase yourself worse than having to answer Bro, cat turds complaints you could build a fucking flying delorean and like go no, around he and do cool because stuff. it would set on fire midair and kill you <laughs> he couldn't he tried he tried to do all the cool stuff you can't do cool stuff with money it's a lie he could make a hoverboard at least no Something. what he could do is build a giant gun pointed at <laughs> well that's gonna be bleeped out Perry. No, i don't think so <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, he's working on a new Tesla gun. Oh, and now he's pointing it to... Oh, he's crying, and now he's biting down on the... The Tesla bullet right out the back. Oh, In a video no. game. In a video... In, Not yeah. in a video game, in real life, in on vid- the Tesla uh, factory floor. No, in a video game, of course, obviously. Now, there's been one kind of like, um, I guess... QAnon-like development um, in in, uh, Elon Musk takeover. And that's the fact that uh, there seems to be a lots of people um, who believe that Musk is doing something um, extra in order to remove child sex abuse material from the platform. Yeah, he's seeking it out. And when he (laughs) finds it, he's like, "Uh, delete this, please. (laughs) <laughs> to his staff. They have whole meetings just where he shows them child porn. Yeah, geez. <laughs> uh, I saw this tweet from one time One America News Network anchor Liz Wheeler, and it said this. Can we take a moment and thank at Elon Musk for reading Twitter of child pornography and child trafficking hashtags? Of all the battles he's fighting, this is the most important one. Think about how many little children he's saving from sexual abuse, exploitation, and torture. I could cry. And then a prayer hand emoji. <laughs> Can we talk about how she's focusing on little children? What about the big children? What about the big boys? Those don't deserve to be protected, I guess. Scathing critique of this woman by Julian. Elon Musk replies with such a fucking soy response. He's like, this will forever be our top priority. Yeah. Yeah, that's your top priority? 
I I don't. Yeah. What's the truth? What's the truth, Travis? Tell us the truth. Well, well, here I want to be careful here because it is true that um, that removing child sex abuse material from Twitter has been a persistent problem and which has not been adequately addressed by management. And I'm basing this on internal reports that were reported by The Verge. For example, in February of 2021, uh, the company's health team produced a report which stated that quote while the amount of child sex abuse material online has grown exponentially, Twitter's investment in technologies to detect and manage the growth has not. Wow, so it's grown exponentially? Like, it, it seems like the Bitcoin people should have invested in child pornography. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so... The company used an enforcement system called Red Panda, which the report called a legacy, unsupported tool that is by far one of the most fragile, inefficient, and undersupported tools it employs. Twitter was also forced to delay plans to become an OnlyFans competitor due to concerns that this would risk worsening the platform's child sex abuse uh, material problem. An April 2022 report stated that, quote, Twitter cannot accurately detect child sexual exploitation and non-consensual nudity at scale. In uh, Twitter's latest transparency report, which covers July to December of 2021, the company said that it suspended more than half a million accounts of child sex abuse material, which was a 31% increase compared to the previous six months. Uh, in September, brands including Dyson and Forbes suspended advertising campaigns after their promotions appeared alongside child abuse content. So, you know, this is this is, I suppose, like the grain of truth that this is a problem that even compared to other social media platforms is not really um, uh, adequately addressed. So I have really no interest in defending the previous Twitter administration's handling of removing this kind of material. The issue is that there's really not any evidence that the new Twitter is especially devoted to solving this very real problem. In fact, according to reporting from Wired, uh, layoffs have gutted Twitter's child safety team. Just one person remains to enforce the company's ban on child sex abuse content uh, across Japan and the Asia Pacific region. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're telling me that there is one person who has to look at all of the child pornography posted to Twitter? Yeah. <laughs> They, they don't have to look at it specifically themselves, but they're they're just simply in charge with with enforcing their rules and you know the laws regarding the material. Oh my God, this is like when Homer this is like when Homer uh, you know like gets left at the nuclear panel and he and he's just kind of like scrambling around, pushing yeah. buttons, trying to avoid trying to avoid a, a, a Springfield in Chernobyl. Yeah, it seems like a lot of the conservative like rhetoric on this is that the previous child safety team could have pressed the ban child pornography button and didn't <laughs> yeah. and then Elon came into power and then pressed it like it's not yeah <laughs> that's yes basically the idea is that that Twitter was highly tolerant of illegal content horrifying content that damaged their brand as much as a, you know a brand can be damaged um and then they just chose not to do it but Elon Musk decided to fix it I mean, yeah, that's the narrative has been set. I mean, it just reminds me a lot of like uh, the QAnon community in 2018 because they they claim that like, oh, like all previous presidential administrations were highly tolerant of sex trafficking. But Trump, he pressed the solve sex trafficking and sex trafficking button and he made it all go away. Um, it was eventually re uh, revealed that actually sex trafficking prosecutions plunged under the Trump administration when compared to the Obama administration. Now, obviously, it would be great if, like, you know, uh, Elon Musk somehow solved this problem. If, uh, if you know, if I would be the first person to congratulate him. 
I don't give a shit. But the issue is that the man is a bullshitter. He claimed that content moderation decisions would be handled by a committee, and that wound up being false. He's just deciding these things unilaterally. He claimed that he would tackle Twitter's bot and spam problem. And I have to say, like, personally, uh, I'm getting more spam in my mentions and DMs uh, than I ever have. Yeah, Sam. And, uh, you know, it's just regardless of the reality, Musk is just posing as this protector of children, the guy who pressed the stop child pornography button. And he's doing this, I think, in order to build up clout amongst right wing conspiracists. Yeah, because they're 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 rewarding him already for shit that he hasn't done. Yeah. yeah so he, no wonder for... he no wonder he's going to cater to them. It's like, let's see. It's like, do I want to cater to like this lefty who's talking about like my my dad diamond mine, you know, or do I want to cater to, uh, you know, this like right wing pundit who's basically patting me on the back for something that, you know, who's basically buying my bullshit. Emerald yeah. mines. Oh, who gives a fuck? <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. He's still bad. He's a narcissist who's looking for, like, sick events. Yeah. I think a lot of people were, like, debating why Elon actually bought Twitter, because there's, like, a bunch of possible reasons. Um, but one of them that seems undeniable is that it was ideological. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that he has a right-wing conservative agenda and saw that the previous moderation team was in some ways um, allowing, I guess, some sort of progressive form of discourse to yeah. flourish, and he wants to shut down that. The woke mind virus. Yeah, absolutely. No, he is in a war against the woke mind virus, and it's a culture war, and he's been talking about this online. It's pretty mm -hmm. It's pretty clear that's definitely one component yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the same thing, the reason why he, you know, did his Hyperloop thing is because he wanted to shut down public transportation mm -hmm. that perhaps uh, threatened his, you know, his automobile company. Um, so, I mean, this is like he, he uses resources in order to, you know, shut off avenues that are of thought or infrastructure that he thinks are threatening to him and his businesses. All right, kids, today we're going to be talking about one of the most important and meaningful parts of life on Earth our relationship to brands. Specifically, what happens when a narrative about a brand, carefully crafted by dozens of marketing people sitting in endless meetings, collides with an even stronger, somewhat more organic narrative, widespread moral panic stoked by bad faith reactionaries. At the center of this specific collision is Balenciaga, an haute couture fashion brand named after a legendary Spanish designer called Cristobal Balenciaga. Like many brands today, Balenciaga is actually undead. The fashion house passed in 1968 when Cristobal, who was 74 years old at the time, shut it down. And he died in 1972. And then years later, in 1986, the rights to the Balenciaga name were purchased by a French holding company that injected the legendary designer's corpse with new life fluid and started selling clothes again. The company went through a few iterations before being purchased again by Gucci Group in 2001, at which point it started to grow in popularity due to being embraced by celebs like Lindsay Lohan and Paris Hilton, who all were seen with the same handbag. Georgian designer Demna Gvasalia has been the creative director of Balenciaga since 2015 and has driven its popularity to new heights by pushing the brand into increasingly mainstream collaboration with streetwear companies like Adidas and Crocs, but also with the world of entertainment a digital clothing line within Fortnite, a Balenciaga-themed 10-minute Simpsons episode, an expensive handbag made to look like a bag of Lay's potato chips. And in December of last year, GQ wrote a full article about Vasalia in which they credit him with being a populist interested in subverting fashion. What he has done with each of these projects is dismantle brick by brick the false boundary between vernacular and luxury. 
His platform sold Crocs, satirical prom suits, and leather Ikea bags, all at luxurious price points, get a rise from the masses, and expose the cliches of fashion elitism. So, I mean, very funny to be like, I'm exposing their hypocrisy by selling incredibly expensive bags that look like uh, cheap shit. Uh, that is actually sticking it to them. Celebrities flocked to the brand as a result of the image Vasalia crafted for Balenciaga. Some to collaborate, and others just to sport his designs on the red carpet. The cult of personality around him grew, and he leaned into the idea that he was a provocative mastermind, crafting something akin to pop art with his decisions at Balenciaga. As he told GQ, Everything I do has a reason for it. The trashy prom suit or an unreasonably expensive market bag did not just accidentally slip into my collection without me super-consciously putting it there. Do I know that this may not be, quote, understood by the average social media critique? Yes, I do. Do I care? I am pretty sure you know the answer. Mm. I just do fashion that I love and enjoy. It is really as simple as that. So couldn't possibly backfire to paint yourself as the mastermind <laughs> who has never missed uh, any details about what's going into your stuff. Yep. Oh, boy. To Vasalia and marketers in general... All cultural signifiers are fair game to be recycled into a product or ad. The Bernie Sanders campaign logo, a bag of Lay's potato chips, BDSM culture, all just images to be remixed in an attempt to court controversy and garner attention. But the result, of course, is not art. It's profit. Thus, culture is stripped of context, value, and meaning before it reaches the algorithm. This approach came to a head recently when several ad campaigns for Balenciaga caused a big scandal. It all started with a holiday ad campaign, which featured toddlers holding teddy bears wearing bondage gear. Tasteless? Inappropriate? Sure. But this campaign was just the beginning. Because online sleuths then combed through Balenciaga content for more signs that pedo-Satanists were signaling their proclivities. And they found it, of course, in the form of a photo of a Balenciaga handbag with documents spread all around it. The photoshoot's theme was the workplace, and when people zoomed into a partially visible document, they found that it was a printout of a Supreme Court decision ruling that free speech did not apply to the distribution of child pornography. So, anti-child pornography document. But, but still, why still a strange choice of, of course all it the is. documents yeah. you Are could you have saying there's, there are no coincidences, Travis? Are you... <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, I'm then. Saying, I'm saying that if you are, you know, uh, I guess a marketer of any talent, yeah. like every choice you make in the frame is is uh, deliberate. Yeah. And so why why exactly make this deliberate choice? So make, make a some sort of ruling related to child pornography. It something, is strange. Something to consider. I honestly think the strategy is to bait people well, like the conspiracists. I think, well... We'll get into okay, exactly sorry. how that, yeah, like I'm going to get into how it appears and, and humiliate Travis, so um, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. In another photo from the same shoot, which once again is like a totally separate shoot from this holiday shoot with the teddy bears, it was from the summer, it passed without any comment, and it was like set in the workplace essentially to sell handbags and other stuff. So in another photo from that shoot, a stack of books is visible on the table. Was it dressing for the shoot or a signal from the pedo elite? The books reference two artists, Matthew Barney and Michael Bormans. Both of these figures are contemporary artists whose work is often grim, violent, and sexual. None of that work was present in the Balenciaga marketing campaign, but the mere presence of the artists' names on book spines was enough to get people going. And it wasn't just online sleuths anymore. The right-wing mainstream media stepped in immediately, having identified another perfect topic for their extended war on LGBTQ people and what they perceive as a decadent liberal culture. 
So here's Tucker Carlson. So this week, Balenciaga rolled out a new ad campaign on Instagram, and the selling point of the ads was sex with children. One photograph showed a very young girl lying face down on a couch with candles, empty wine glasses, and a dog collar on a coffee table in front of her. Another picture showed the same girl, a toddler, holding a teddy bear dressed in sexual bondage gear, including a leather harness. And then, in case you missed the point, we're for pedophilia at Balenciaga. Another picture made it explicit. That picture showed pages from a Supreme Court opinion that struck down a law designed to fight child pornography. Whoever staged the photo shoot made certain to include a portion of that opinion that used the word sex or sexual four times. And of course, that was not an accident. Balenciaga wanted you to notice. The Daily Mail went further, digging up Michael Borman's work for an article entitled Just Another Coincidence? Photos from Scrap Balenciaga Campaign feature book by artists whose works include castrated toddlers after bondage teddy bears fiasco and hidden child porn docs. So one thing to note here is that the order doesn't make any sense. Like the the child porn docs, as they put it, um, were part of that July shoot, which was like a separate thing uh, that we'll get into or whatever. And then there's, of course, the thing that set it all off, which is the extremely tasteless, uh, essentially like having teddy bears have bondage gear on. And uh, I would argue that pushing them together and creating a kind of sense of like, first they did this and then they did this. Are you paying attention? Is like the the kind of uh, linchpin of the narrative on the right about why this happened and what it means. Right wing pundits on Twitter had a field day as well. Blair White said, if Balenciaga did something that offended the LGBT community, every celebrity would have cut ties instantly. They promoted child porn and nearly every celebrity is silent. Really makes you think, huh? Bryson Gray said, Wait, shouldn't Balenciaga have their bank accounts closed, get banned on social media, stores temporarily shut down, and all celebrities condemn them first? Or is that only for black artists and athletes? CJ Pearson said, Balenciaga isn't apologizing for what they did. Balenciaga is apologizing because they got caught. Don't confuse the two. Leia Halpern stepped in and said, After the lack of outrage from celebrities and the media about Balenciaga's child porn campaign, I'm officially convinced the world is run by a satanic pedophile ring. That's what did it for you. Now you're convinced. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So obviously these are all kind of like mainstream right wing pundits. Uh, You know, all these all these posts that I just read from have like thousands of likes and tens of thousands of retweets, depending on the on the one. But um. QAnon accounts, of course, went a step further, intimating that this scandal was the beginning of the end for the cabal. We the media said, This Balenciaga situation is going to embroil as many high-profile names or more than the FTX drama. The House of Cards is crumbling. And they included a screenshot of a TMZ article that read, Kamala Harris's stepdaughter turning heads again, this time in Paris for Balenciaga. So... I think they think that the Kamala Harris dynasty is going down for this one just because yeah. they have like an NB artist daughter who, <laughs> who was in one of their. Uh, yeah. And that block, article block is like shows. from like a year, like, oh, like well over a year ago. So now we will, Travis, I can see you're impatient. We will get into how these things are crafted and how possibly they could end up fucking up this bad in so many different small ways. But before that, we have to take a look at how even Manosphere psycho Andrew Tate, who's a future subject of the Man Clan podcast, weighed in as well. And he sounded extremely QAnon-brained. What are the statistical odds of repeated references to pedophilia being included in multiple advertisement campaigns for one particular brand? 
basically completely impossible. This is very, very purposeful. And they've done it because they're trying to give you hints and trying to normalize and show you and tell you what they do. They're doing this because of karmic retribution. Satanists believe if they tell you what they're doing, if they make their intentions clear and you still adhere to them, that they are no longer responsible for the negative consequences of them. That is karmic retribution. This is elites telling you that they are absolutely and utterly pedophiles and they are here to see if you are complicit in the actions themselves. Now that you understand that, the question is, what are you really going to do about it? Boycotting Ben Salanciaga is a fantastic start, sure, but it's the very, very tip of an iceberg and it's a very, very deep and scary rabbit hole. And when you truly understand who is running the world and you truly understand how fucked up this world is, then you're going to find out that a larger change than boycotting one particular brand is needed. This is ridiculous, and I'll tell you why. It's one thing to like boycott Gatorade, uh, you know, or boycott, uh, uh, you know, Goya beans. Uh, but what average person can afford a Balenciaga anything? Like, yeah. uh, I've been boycotting Balenciaga my whole fucking life. <laughs> gonna, uh, make, <laughs> <laughs> gonna make one of those like conservative burning your merchandise videos, but it's for like a fake Balenciaga bag. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you know, it's like, I get it. You know, people are like, how did all this stuff end up happening? And there's, there's, you know, we'll get into like why each thing might have happened separately. But separately from that, I do want to say the fashion industry has been rife with people abusing young girls forever. I mean, this is it's literally built on like finding the youngest, thinnest possible girls and putting them in very awkward situations, trying to convince them to be nude, and then, you know, Epstein-style rings uh, of, of people just kind of, uh, you know, prostituting these people. I mean, it is no secret that fashion uh, has, you know, a big problem with, um, you know, essentially taking advantage of youth and sexuality. That That is the cornerstone of a lot of ads um, in the world at large, you know, the idea of selling sex or whatever. Oftentimes, it's the youngest possible legal version of it or whatever. Yeah. Um, and the fashion industry, yeah, there's lots of predators in it. It's, mm -hmm. the, it's an obvious magnet for predators like this because it's uh, an industry in which you will, you know, hire young girls uh, to pose provocatively. And so it's, it's yeah. literally built on the commercialization of youth's sexuality. And it's also an industry, and I, I think it's, you know, similar in this way to Hollywood, where there are so many people competing for these jobs, these modeling gigs, um, that, you know, your your clients or essentially your your actors or your models are constantly in this state of desperation. Uh, that, you know, if I can just do this off, I can just make this connection, uh, you know, that that'll be my career. You know, it is so hard to get a leg up in this industry that, that the people who are, you know, who the, the folks in power or taking advantage of are in some ways willing to be taken advantage of yeah. because of how hard it is to break into the industry. They're told it's kind of part of the process. Yes, and exactly. So that, that is one thing, right? And then the other thing is the idea that there is a cabal of of kind of pedo-satanic elites that are coming together to go, let's put a bunch of stuff normalizing pedophilia into these ads 
for uh, an imaginary set of reasons, right? Yeah. To like to like rub it in your face. You know, QAnon has elaborated on this a lot. You know, it's like it's either to rub it in your face or it's to normalize it more broadly. Or Tate's, uh, you know, concept, which is if they if they tell you it's pedophilia and they sell it to you, then you're the one sinning in their satanic worldview or whatever, uh, you know, perception. So th- these are two things that I think we should keep separately, right? I mean, no one is saying don't look at the fashion industry and in horror, uh, because it's worth looking at in horror. Yeah. Uh, many industries are, you know, when you commercialize things, especially images of young people looking good, that's already, there's an inherent problem with that, right? Because it becomes a process of like, who can, who can create the most shocking or the most transgressive images to garner attention? And then who can kind of harness, uh, you know, young bodies to essentially sell, uh, more product. And my question is, what kind of vehicle uh, is Andrew Tate riding in in that video? I mean, it looks like it looks like a like a Doctor Robotnik contraption. Like yeah. it's clearly not a real car. Uh, what what is this guy? Uh, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot behind this guy. We'll have to do a whole episode I on know, Mankind about him. Such he's, a piece of shit. He's a real piece of shit. So the story hit a variety of mainstream outlets and pressure started building on previous Balenciaga collaborators and evangelists to call the brand out. Kim Kardashian eventually put out a milquetoast statement about the scandal after being heckled by right-wing pundit Candace Owens. And this is where the story gets even more fucked up because it fused with the ongoing Kanye West debacle. Now, for those who aren't aware, and obviously this is a topic that deserves its own episode in depth, and hopefully we'll be able to do that at some point. But Kanye has been getting even more unhinged than usual lately. After debuting a White Lives Matter t-shirt with Candace Owens, he's now palled up with two of the shittiest right-wing operatives out there, Milo Yiannopoulos and Nick Fuentes. These are the yes-men remaining at his side as he embarks on a presidential campaign that so far seems to involve calling out Jewish people. Or as he tweeted, I'm a bit sleepy tonight, but when I wake up, I'm going DEFCON 3 on JEWISH PEOPLE, all caps. The funny thing is, I actually can't be anti-Semitic because black people are actually Jew also. You guys have toyed with me and tried to blackball anyone who ever opposes your agenda. The 31,000 likes on this is a little bit disturbing. For context, (laughs) it appears Kanye has bought into black Israelite talking points that posit that black people are the real Jews and thus can't be anti-Semitic when they're publicly proclaiming that a Jewish cabal runs the power structures and media of our world. This quickly made him a friend to neo-Nazis, of course, who were more than delighted to have a public figure speaking out on the quote-unquote Jewish question. But for Kanye, it appears to be a very personal thing. He blames his trainer and ex-wife for conspiring together with a nebulous group of Jewish power brokers to drug him and take away his children. Here he is talking about it in a TMZ ambush interview, looking extremely haggard and out of it. He starts by referring to a red hat, which is a reference to the time he wore a MAGA hat and met with Donald Trump. The thing about the red hat that drove me to a point of exhaustion, which was misdiagnosed by a I'm not going to say what race, what people, uh, doctor, and what hospital, and what media went to. We know I can't say that. It was a Jewish doctor. (laughs) 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 
I'm sure he's talking about Cedar Sinai Hospital, yeah. which is like where all the like rich people in L.A. go. Yeah. I mean, Cedar Sinai is like the best, and 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 yes, okay, uh, as the well. name as the name suggests, it is, it is a Jewish. Uh, you know, there's a lot of Jews. <laughs> Doctors there. We, yeah. that's, you know, my my parents uh, hoped that my brother and I would be doctors or lawyers. This is, yeah. you know, the, it, it, it's not our fault. It, it's and also we're not a race. Uh, it's just a religion. I mean, we were created by the Cedar Sinai Podcast Division. <laughs> <laughs> Negative reactions to Ye's anti-Semitic turn have caused companies to sever ties with him, and one of those companies was Balenciaga. So when they got into their own scandal, he was more than ready to speak about them. This just shows you all celebrities are controlled. You don't see no celebrities talking about the Balenciaga situation, right? So that just shows you all of these celebrities out here, don't let them influence you in any way because they're controlled by the people who really influence the world. There's no such thing as a celebrity influencer. That is that all these people they don't, they're not serving God. If they serve God, then believe what they're talking about. But we're holding to Christian Christ principles first. America is a, tr a Christian country. Another issue I have is the fact that Elon won't reinstate Alex Jones. Yeah, I agree. Alex Jones is a Christian, mm. but you have a person who doesn't believe that Christ is Lord going to buy an American media outlet and picking and choosing who can be on the platform and who can't be on the platform. Right. Jesus is Lord. Elon Musk, pernicious Canadian yeah. slash South African. Atheist or something. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's, I mean, he literally just sounds yeah. like a, a groiper these days, yeah. you know? It's a lot of like Jesus is Lord stuff and um, talk about the Jews and it, it sucks, you know, yeah, it sucks. It's but, really sad. But, you know, he, uh, bringing up the Balenciaga thing obviously is is useful for him. But, uh, you know, celebrities have been pressured to, like, turn on Balenciaga. And they mostly have, you know, either put out, like, fucking statements or... Celebrities know by now that, like, their PR teams are so finely tuned into what's cancelable and what's not. It, it, whether or not they, they condemn Balenciaga is very low on the list uh, in terms of cancelable offenses. I, I, I think that most people know that, that, that this will blow over. There will be a new scandal, a new piece of news, you know, within 24 hours. And it's like, I don't know. Yeah. Also, I mean, you know, it's essentially to believe that there's a deeper scandal here than just like, wow, you stepped over the line. That was a stupid combination to put like your teddy bear bags and, uh, you know, yeah. uh, wearing like leather harnesses in the hands of children for these shoots. That was a terrible idea. That's, you know, that's something that that would come. People would speak out about it and it would kind of blow over. Yeah. But the real claims here are, are more sordid, right? It's like the idea that Balenciaga is actually, you know, secretly putting um, kind of child pornography messaging in their marketing in some sort of, uh, you know, kind of vicious uh, attempt to change the culture or to make mm -hmm. it more pedophilic and and uh, to make it more accepting of pedophilia. 
Yeah, because there are plenty of advertisement campaigns that are pedophilic in nature. You're putting young people in, you know, makeup and whatever dresses. But it's like, but they went, they took it one step further and like paired them with like BDSM teddy bears. You know, just that's a bridge too far, I guess. It's sad because it's exactly what happens when you're basically, you take culture as culture, art, all of this stuff. It's all the same to you, right? It's all just flat images you can combine to like create controversy or whatever. So when you look at um, LGBTQ culture at large, then you have this sub uh, category of that that you could call like LGBTQ, you know, sexual culture. And then you have this subcategory of that that's like this kind of BDSM leather daddy culture or whatever. And you're you don't care about that culture if you're Balenciaga. You care about taking these images and recombining them so you can make money and a splash, right? Mm-hmm. So there isn't actually uh, a kind of um necessarily like a gay agenda behind this. This is a cynical company that is taking gay culture, pieces of d- gay culture dismembering uh, that culture, stripping it of context and recycling it to sell you shit. Right. And one of probably one of their brand identity like things is like edgy. I mean, I don't doubt it, right? They're an haute couture company. And then they tried to bring it into the mainstream. They want everybody to know about it. And so then everybody turned their eyes to this fucking haute couture brand that's like trying to be edgy. And guess what? You find a bunch of questionable material if you comb through their shit. But if you look at the the BDSM bear like campaign or whatever, once they had found that, they were like, we need more. And then they went back to like old campaigns. You know, this is not just something being rolled out together. It's, it's the process of finding stuff as you dig backwards through someone's Instagram. And I'm sorry to say, but you would be able to do this for almost anybody. They did this with Tom Hanks based on gloves like sitting on the ground. They, they would do it to anybody. Balenciaga is maybe the most obvious target. You could have at any point chosen to just go through Balenciaga's stuff and found a bunch of questionable stuff because they're always toying with the line of taboo because they see it as this kind of, I don't know, brand identity for themselves. And they do it extremely cynically. They do it with no ideology. They do it only for profit. Yeah. Yeah, It's like rich people are always toying the line of taboo as well. You know, it's it's, who they're catering to. They're like, this is provocative. You know, like I'm dressing this way because it reminds you of something fucked up. And isn't that isn't that interesting? And that works for contemporary art. Contemporary art has to, or does in reality, deal with taboos and the limits of like what is acceptable to humanity at large. But you have context for it because you walk into a gallery or you get told this is a contemporary artist. You're reading a book about this person's work. You're not being fed it automatically through the Instagram algorithm as an advertisement for a fucking bag, right? Yeah. So you have a choice and there is context, but this process has removed both choice you're being served it automatically, and context. The amount of people who were served these ads, you know, chances are that they weren't following the Balenciaga Instagram, right? Yeah. No, it was, so that's, the problem here is a greater problem. If you, if you, I'm sorry, but if you picked any contemporary artist and went through their work, you'd be like, oh my God, if you're like the average American, like, uh, you know, middle-aged person. You'd be horrified because this stuff is dealing with shit that is dark and horrible, uh, you know? Um, I, I'm the first to to say that, like, I've done photography in the past. I've written books in the past that if you went back and went, oh, look, look at all this, look at all this, you would see you would see an artistic uh, interest in all of these uh, dark, messed up, borderline topics. And every once in a while when there's a cultural panic around art, they do the same thing. They strip it of context, they pull it out into the light, and they go, look at this. On face value, 
But not just look at this. Look at this combined with this combined with this from different ads, different phases of, of Balenciaga marketing. And it all combines to that for that perfect QAnon meme, right? Which is like the same thing they did with Podesta and his art and all of this stuff in early Pizzagate days, right? So really it's this, it's the art of like decontextualization to feed a panic. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say there aren't like pedophile rings, but usually pedophile rings are not the ones that are creating contemporary art that deals with these difficult issues. Yeah, yeah. the pedophile rings are trying not to get caught. <laughs> they, they, they don't. They, the people who are actually doing this for real are are trying to do it in the most secret, uh, obscure way possible, so they can continue, uh, you know, committing these horrible crimes. Um, which which is so crazy that the whole idea of this is that like, oh, they want to, you know, you go back to what you know the, Tate's conspiracy that like, oh, well, they have to do it out in the open, you know, because that that way it's like. No, when you have like criminals who who are coordinated enough to that this is their business and they are operating a a, a ring a system, they're they're trying not to get caught. They don't want you to know about this. Like Epstein had all these fucked up decos and all these pictures and stuff, and guests would come over and they would all be in the kind of uh, financial class or in the kind of like perceived like art class and so he he thought it was provocative to them did he want to have all this stuff out in billboards and stuff like that of course not you know if you're if you're a pervert right and some perverts are illegal and other perverts are just perverts that's okay you can have kink and you can have all these things you can do bdsm you can do whatever you want if it's if it's not you know preying on children so conflating those two things the idea that like if you have any interest in sexuality if you have any interest in uh contemporary art in the darker side of of human experience on earth then automatically you're actually running a ring that systematically abuses people that's if we're going down that road like oh boy uh and we are so there will be no end but yeah there's going to be no end i guess that's what i'm saying it seems like even if you find a phenomena that is real like like maybe a part of this does relate to the fact that sexualization of children is like formalized in a lot of these spaces that like regardless of the fact that there is some objective truth to it the qanon esque bake is still irrational like, it's still pathological. Yeah. Like, Lacan talks about how, like, a jealous husband who thinks that his wife is cheating on him, even if she is, he's being irrational. Like, it comes from a pathological belief structure. And I think yeah. that's sort of what we see here, that, like, there isn't actually a real discussion about why this type of imagery comes about. It's turned into this absurd, simplified conspiracy about, like, a you know, a global cabal. Um, there's no yeah. discussion of commodification and its relationship no. to abuse and, and sexualization of, of young people. No, and like the end result is like, okay, maybe some creatives uh, in Balenciaga uh, or stakeholders in Balenciaga will, you know, have problems with their career or will have less of a payday. Uh, they won't really suffer. Mm -hmm. The people who will really suffer from kicking up this kind of cultural panic is going to be the average LGBTQ person who is going to be targeted because people's heads are filled with, uh, you know, these conclusions that have been uh, kind of, uh, you know, called for by Tucker Carlson, by whatever, Andrew Tate, by, you know, the Daily Mail. And th they want you to believe that there is essentially that the, the, pe the pedo elite is signaling and that all LGBTQ people are actually kind of the foot army of the pedo elite, right? 
And, you know, th those will be the real victims is the mm. bottom line. And I, I guess we're going to be touching on the real victims, you know, in the Club Q shooting segment. Um, but, yeah, it's worth it's worth saying that, like, the people who will suffer are not Balenciaga, are not any elite uh, fashion, you know, uh, person who recruits young girls for shoots or even has a, a, a more sordid hidden side to their business, which undoubtedly exists and should be investigated. Um, but this is not investigation. This mm -hmm. is fucking meme making. This is copy-pasting, and this is absolutely stoking cultural panic to get a political goal achieved. So anyways, after that clip we played, Ye got into a black car with Milo Yiannopoulos, his campaign director, and uh, drove off. And from all the footage I've seen of Milo, it seems like he has consumed heroic amounts of amphetamines to get him through these tough times. So good for him. Also very funny, given the fact that the main reason that Milo was initially deplatformed was because he essentially like endorsed like pedophilic sexual relations. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he he did do that. So he's going to be fighting the elites for you. Don't worry about it. The the guy who speaks British is a human bag of amphetamines and has openly said, oh, no, it's fine. You can do that with, you know, young, young men. So this is all part of the Yay 24 campaign, which is, I think, just doomed from the beginning. Yeah. But um, in a video released about it, Kanye spoke about meeting Donald Trump and taking anti-Semite and white supremacist Nick Fuentes along for the ride. I think the thing that Trump was most perturbed about, me asking him to be my vice president, I think that was like lower <laughs> on the list of things that caught him off guard. It was the fact that I walked in with intelligence. So Trump is really impressed with Nick Fuentes. And Nick Fuentes, unlike so many of the lawyers and so many people that he was left with on his 2020 campaign, he's actually a loyalist. When he didn't know what the lawyers is, you'll still have your lawyer list. And when all the lawyers said, forget it, Trump's done, there were loyalists running up yep. in the White House, right? And my question would be, why, when you had the chance, did you not free the January Sixers? And I came to him as someone who loves Trump, and I said, go and get Corey back. Go and get these people that the media tried to cancel and told you to step away from. So yeah, they were showing Roger Stone, Alex Jones, and all that. So this is just one of these topics where I sat down to write about it, and it connects in every way to everything. Like, you know, from like the ex-president to fucking fashion brand having uh, a panic around it to the alt-rights kind of surge in the culture, as well as the Twitter stuff with Elon, just very chaotic stuff. And it just seems to have the effect of dragging QAnon and white supremacist talking points into the mainstream media just again and again. I mean, I know Liv has been commenting on Twitter about how fucked up it is that like Jimmy Kimmel is running the Nick Fuentes oh, uh, clip. You know, it's just like, it's how did nightmare. we get here? We're even seeing a revival of old QAnon claims surrounding a young woman called Rachel Chandler, who was falsely accused of going to Epstein Island and helping him run a pedophile ring, something we've debunked in past episodes. But nothing ever dies, so here's a guest on the Gospel Broadcasting Network remixing Q-Drops smearing Chandler and injecting the topic back into the Balenciaga debate. Balenciaga has very dark kind of um, things going on, and in 2016, one of the people that recruited all of the models for Balenciaga's runway show was a woman called Rachel Chandler, who um, has been on Jeffrey Epstein's island. She's even posted a picture on Instagram of CCTV footage back in 2013, bragging about being on an island. And if you look at her modeling age, 
agency. Every single one of the models looks like a trafficking victim. You can see they've got very dark um, under the eyes. So people need to research that. Am I going insane or is that the person who initially said that they were like transracial and got uh, oh, surgery to look more it? Korean? The right wing person who claimed is... to identify as Korean. I hope not, but maybe it is. Oh. <laughs> I think it is. I think they've done like a right wing thing now and Dear denounced. God. Oh, yeah. I know they have. Oh. Uh, didn't quite put that together, but this gets even worse, folks, uh. I guess. And uh, this was posted by uh, an account that goes by uh, American Patriot, Cold War Patriot, who said, Balenciaga, like the demon Baal, mm. Rachel Chandler. So they're very happy to see the hits replayed because this is something that appeared in multiple Q drops. Now, to discuss the Balenciaga mess a little bit more, uh, it has continued to evolve. You know, the companies put out public statements uh, condemning like what they did and decided to sue the contractors behind one of the photo shoots, the summer one, uh, for inexplicable acts, malevolent or at the very least extraordinarily reckless. The brand's lawsuit explained that, quote, as a result of defendants' misconduct, members of the public, including the news media, have falsely and horrifically associated Balenciaga with the repulsive and deeply disturbing subject of the court decision. An agent for the contractor explained that the papers in the ad, quote, were obtained from a prop house that were rental pieces used on film and photo shoots. Everyone from Balenciaga was on the shoot and was present on every shot and worked on the edit of every image in post-production. And so they accused Balenciaga of attempting to use them as, quote, a scapegoat. So this is where I think it's worth, like, kind of stopping for a second and examining, like, the three things that have combined to create a scandal here. There's the teddy bear stuff, which sucks, obviously. And basically what should happen, happened. People were like, what the fuck? They said, we're sorry, we fucked up. And they took back their campaign. It was too far, it wasn't good. Then there's the document appearing in the shoot. And from experience, uh, having worked with social media agencies and just like how everything is delegated down the line, I think it's absolutely credible that this was a mistake. Now, potentially there was somebody assembling these props who's like, ooh, what if what if we left this one visible instead of this other one? And was like, ooh, that's that's fucked up. Or like maybe that would fuck up Balenciaga or whatever. Because yeah. like, you usually hate the people you're working for yeah. um, on a deep level. So that's potentially something that could have happened, like a, a mix of of kind of like low-level malice with just not caring enough to look and the fact that everybody got to see these shots and approve them, I think to me speaks more to the fact that they don't actually care what ends up in here. Like all this stuff is just cultural flotsam recombined to to, to create images that sell stuff, right? They don't actually look at every, every one of the pieces. Same thing with the books, the Matthew Barney book um, and the Borman's book. You're looking at a stack of books like in a shot of a, of a woman posing at a desk or whatever and they were like, okay, well, let's put some like coffee table books in the background. What's edgy? What's cool? What's Balenciaga? All right, let's take these contemporary artists. Um, so it's like, hey, I'm not making excuses for the company. Like this sucks. You know, they should fucking know better than this. And I don't like Balenciaga in general. And I don't care about any of these people at all. Uh, but having worked inside companies when they've come up with like not inside companies, but having been a contractor for big companies while they make insane mistakes because they have their head totally up their ass and they also like care way too much while also not caring about any of the ingredients that goes into the creative. You know, I, I have to say it is credible that this shit is just like a set of shitty little circumstances that added up to this. Um, you know, I mean, Pepsi did make that ad where, you know, the fucking Kendall Jenner herself handed the Coke or the Pepsi to the cop and it solved the violence. And they did that in the middle of, uh, you know, the kind of Black Lives Matter stuff. 
So, you know, these people are completely disconnected from culture. And especially if you're in a company like Balenciaga that's like all about being cool and chic and haute couture and edgy and shit, your brain is just gone. You, you like can't see what other people see in the culture anymore. Does that mean that you're running a big pedophile ring? I don't I don't particularly think so. I mean, I'm not going to say it's impossible, you know, if it comes out and there's actual evidence, fine. But if you're going to be using like a fucking Instagram post uh, that was like subcontracted so many times, you know, that like you have to, you know, learn the names of like more and more unknown, um, you know, creative outfits and stuff. And it was uh, it all got pumped out as part of a campaign with, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of images this way. And they people who are stoking the fear or, or people who are stoking the, fa- the panic have to combine different things that they've aggregated that aren't even part of the same kind of creative effort and don't involve the same people. That's when you know that, yeah, it's it's it has more to do with satanic panic, with sexual panic, which is like an ancient American tradition than anything necessarily deeply nefarious about Balenciaga. Should Balenciaga be abolished? Yes. Should the company be dismantled? Yes. Are they immoral? Yes. Are they running a pedo satanic ring? I, I don't see any evidence here. I'm sorry. I just see fucking dumb, high fashion people who have just grown so disconnected with the culture, so disconnected with the work that's being pumped out every day as part of their ad campaigns that it created a shitstorm for them. And honestly, I don't, I don't feel sorry for them. I certainly don't. Um, but Travis, did you have something to say about uh, too many coincidences or? Did you... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't buy the idea that like the, uh, I guess the Supreme Court ruling was just, just what something they happened to have on hand and decide to throw into the frame. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think that, I think we could all agree that, um, Balenciaga, at least the, the executives at Balenciaga should be in prison for some reason. <laughs> yes. I don't know. I'm we not, saying, to figure I'm not out saying they're all child sex traffickers, but maybe they should be in prison. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad you can agree that you're waiting for the storm and that yeah. there are no coincidences and that you've gone full circle, sir, since yeah. your beginnings, your humble beginnings yeah, on this, this podcast. Is, this is what cracked me too far. <laughs> So, meanwhile, the culture war conversation has grown increasingly bizarre as Rod Dreher, an absolute weirdo and recurring character in the Chapo podcasting universe, published a series of articles about Balenciaga, uh, the latest of which in the American conservative is titled, Lada Volkova, The Devil Styles Balenciaga. The pedo-chic fashion house's chief stylist is obsessed with satanic themes, child abuse, cannibalism, violence. So there doesn't seem to be any direct connection between Volkova and the advertising campaigns in question. But of course, that does not matter in the era of QAnon research, where you can just pull up Instagram feeds of people related to a brand and start baking edgy artist content to stoke more satanic panic. Dreyer knows this. He's pretty conscious of it. This is what he wrote in the article. That's from the mind of Lada Volkova, Balenciaga and Adidas designer. Do you really have to wonder if some of our elites are Satanists and pedophiles? Some things are true, even if QAnon believes them. This is what the West has become and is in the process of becoming. Open your eyes. It's a more interesting drop than what Q's been posting. <laughs> yeah, we need, we need Dreyer to start doing the Q drops himself. Um, so, you know, whatever side you take 
uh, on this, whatever perspective you have, obviously there's no defending pedophilia. There's no defending, you know, turning children uh, into ads for like haute couture brands and then trying to be edgy at the same time. There's no defending recycling culture, uh, LGBTQ culture to sell bullshit and stripping it of context. Really, there's no defending anyone uh, and everyone sucks, um, including Travis View who should be blamed somehow for this and put in jail. I don't know how, but we need to figure it out. <laughs> Something about his beard looking like Anton LaVey's or I don't know. We can figure something out. But uh, yeah, it looks like everything is becoming QAnon and the culture war shows no sign of slowing down. Commodified images stripped of meaning and cultural context are being fed into the algorithm and people's brains are increasingly glitching out as they grow obsessed with finding the hidden meanings behind marketing pablum. And you know what? I get it. We've all got a bad feeling about where things are going, and nobody seems to be able to coherently explain where power lies. So people are just grasping at straws, and they're going directly off the rails. So well, it's going to be fun to follow. Um, that made me sick. Um, nice. It could be the allergy medicine, but... It could be that you're, like, dressed head to toe in Balenciaga. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, anyways, it's a fresh new uh, price Liv... tag. Did you pick that up yesterday? Oh, that stuff. Uh, nice. Whoa, yeah, he still has the tags. I wonder if he's if he's trying out the pieces so he can like return certain ones of them if they don't work. Wait, wait. <laughs> he doesn't get compliments. Uh, Liv, uh, <laughs> you've got a you've got a, a non depressing, non make me sick segment coming up, right? Sure. Yeah. Surely, totally. Surely, if anybody can turn this episode around, it's you. Uh, I've been mm-hmm. known to find the most normal content. For this <laughs> fuck. When, when, when Jake is in such a position that he's begging for a segment about a shooting in a club, you know things are going well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, from our very own live normal content finder, Agar. <laughs> <laughs> the normal correspondent. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make business cards for everybody involved with QA with the title "Normal Content Finder." <laughs> It's difficult to imagine how discussions surrounding the Club Q shooting could possibly get more insane than how the tragedy was covered in large mainstream outlets. From the most evil of these sources, like Tucker Carlson, who had a guest on to exclaim that actions like the indiscriminate murder of two bartenders and three patrons of Colorado Springs' largest LGBT nightclub would continue until the quote-unquote evil agenda of gender affirmation care ceased, to more respectable conservatives who deflected any politicization of the obviously homophobic and transphobic motivations for the shooting because the shooter claimed he was non-binary, to even the failures in liberal outlets who, for instance, reported one of the heroic patrons within the club that stopped the assailant as a drag queen when in reality she was a trans woman. It seems that a shockingly large amount of political discourse on this tragic event fails to make the most obvious analysis about its causes and implications. But I guess, what else could the American public possibly do when exposed to the consequences of a highly effective political and media machine whose gears feed off of the blood and bones of society's most defenseless, except, of course, to be the least normal they possibly could? That's why today's segment on the Club Q shooting won't dwell on the insane responses provided by the mainstream media, but instead we'll look at some of the takes coming directly from the seedy underbelly of American political discourse, occupied by the collection of independently-minded free thinkers who make up their own damn absurd and irrational political takes, and don't rely on the positions handed to them by the lamestream media. The most obvious pilled reaction to Club Q is the same one that's been used by right-wing conspiracy guys for at least a few decades in relation to shootings, which is to call it a false flag to take away our dang guns. 
This reaction, which I saw disseminated among a couple of the more popular QAnon influencers, is a very uninspired form of conspiracist pattern recognition. This bake typically functions as a cop-out interpretation of the event, as all major news items require baking in some way, but many want to avoid explicitly embracing the Tucker Carlson-esque homophobia and transphobia, so it's essentially uninspired rehashed garbage. But in sifting through the boring conspiracy takes on the shooting, I was able to find some extremely high-quality garbage, diamonds in the rough of boring cookie-cutter bakes, truly creative, and by extension even more insane positions on what caused the shooting. The first bake of this sort was hinged upon one particular letter in the nightclub's name. You may have heard of it, it's the 17th letter in the alphabet, and it's been talked about a lot on this show. Some people, in their desire to view the world through a completely unreflective strategy of pattern recognition, came to see an important connection between Club Q and QAnon. As an example of this bake, in a video uploaded to Rumble titled Colorado Springs Club Q nightclub shooting was a Trump slash QAnon Freemason Saturn Cube Game 23 PSYOP. What? This user makes an interesting set of connections in relation to the shooting's cause. Now I have no video to play, as instead of the usual lunatic who records themselves talking about politics in their car sort of video, this one is an exclusively visual slideshow. Sort of like if Tommy Numbers only knew how to use iMovie. <laughs> Which he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the video begins with the user highlighting the letter Q in Club Q from a Fox News headline about the shooting, in what is obviously a video recorded on their phone. It then cuts to the Google image search results for the phrase QAnon. No reflection or explanation is provided here, or for any other of the connections provided. But he's not done yet. Scrolling down on the Fox News article, he then highlights the number 28, found in a paragraph in the article that reads, A 28-year-old transgender bartender and entertainer has been identified as one of the five victims killed in the Colorado Springs shooting at Club Q. The video then cuts to a Google search result for the zombie outbreak movie 28 Days Later. <laughs> You oh my! I can't with I can't do this anymore, you guys. This oh is, you can't, huh? No, I I oh, can't just even. Can't. I can't, can't even. Even. And twenty eight days later. I, well, I, at least this it, bake caused Jake to break into AAVE. Ah uh, 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 I just ah, uh, that's where your brain goes. You see the. This is where we are. You see the number twenty eight, and you go ah. A movie. Twenty eight days later. Oh, who could have taught them to do that? Not me. No, just linking it to a fucking barely understandable movie connection, totally oblique, jumping off from something that makes somewhat sense to <laughs> fantasies about movies remembered from the late 90s and early 2000s. You're watching a movie. There's no such thing as coincidences. I think, I think we got a second person to put in jail. If we can get <laughs> Jake and Travis put in jail over all of this stuff. I'll go quietly. <laughs> <laughs> Take my phone away. <laughs> Back to the Fox News article, he highlights LGBT on his phone, then shows us an ordinal gematria calculation of LGBT being equivalent to the number 58. And you know what else is associated with the number 58? Donald Trump's 2016 inauguration, being the 58th in American history. There's a lot of other Trump-related stuff in the relatively short, information-packed video. As an example, this user highlights the date of the shooting, November 19th, then cuts to a screen of text which reads, November 19 equal 1119, aka 1911, aka 45. But, yeah, that's... But you rearrange the numbers to get <laughs> you yeah. the 45. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Nove yeah. Yeah. One, one, one nine. Oh God! It's three nine thirty nine. It's the, that's how old I am, and the okay. age at which uh, uh, I expire. I, I jail. Yeah, jail, 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 
jail. He then points to a screenshot of a Google search result of Donald Trump, the 45th president, having a personal gun collection containing a 1911 pistol. My God. In another headline about the shooting, centered around slain bartender Derek Rump, the user highlights the D in Derek and then Rump, which he then shows text on the screen which reads, Derek Rump is D. Rump, code for Donald Trump. <sighs> so, yeah. Oh. There is a slurry of other connections that this user finds going through a couple news articles and highlighting information on his iPhone, all set to the indie rock song, Hey Man, Nice Shot, by the band Filter. Jesus Christ. Oh, no. Come on. What? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Jake is having a bad one. Oh, He's gritting his teeth. Days later, 1911. Uh, his jaw hey is man, nice shot. Like uh, this is this is a soup. This is just uh this is a bad, this is a rotten soup of culture. Yeah. It's just a rotten, you've left it out. It's it's this is it, like those ancient rusted over those ancient meat pies from like hundreds yeah. of years ago that would make you hallucinate. <laughs> <laughs> that's I think that's what's happening to me right now. Yeah. Jake's had a bad bad pie. He's got tummy ache. Oh, hey, man. <laughs> nice shot. Which is also fucked up if you're using that song to talk about yeah. a, a nightclub shooting in which people were slaughtered. Like, yeah, like of course. Oh, God. Yeah. We've done it to him. You know what? I'm I'm upset that Filter uh, has not come out with a statement oh, uh, condemning this video. <laughs> One example of a connection he makes is between a photo of a mother looking at childhood photos of her slain son, in which her hands are crossed in a particular way, that appears to be similar, apparently, to a Masonic hand gesture. Another area ripe for insane baking around the shooting concerns the already insane interviews with the shooter's father. I say already insane, given the fact that his father, as he reveals in an extended interview, is a right-wing Mormon former porn star slash professional mixed martial artist who uses meth. Additionally, among other absurd things in the interview, he notes of his initial reaction to finding out his son has committed a shooting in a gay bar by saying this. Well, people, right. and then I found, they were on to find that it's a, a gay bar. Yeah, right. And, uh, and, and how I was like, oh my god, is he gay? As a scared, I was like, oh my god, shit, is he gay? Hmm. And he's not gay, so it's like this. So it's, well, you guys had had conversations about that. You, you were. Oh yeah, so uh, you, 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 you told him. Yeah, you were adamant that gay is gay is bad. Yeah. I'm a Mormon. I'm a conservative Republican, and we don't do gay. We don't do yeah. gay. We don't do gay. Yeah. Oh man, imagine being in this state and thinking that the biggest issue is homosexuality. That's that's your that's the problem with society. Not like the like burns on your lips from smoking meth. Yeah, or your son like killing people. Yeah, it's it's yeah. um. It's so already already like it's insane enough. Do you need to bake this? Like, can't can't we just let this exist on face value? Like, do you have to? But no. One Rumble commenter who I guess decided the false flag narrative deserved some more uniquely insane details noted of the interview that the kid looks like shit at twenty two, prime of his life, and his dad did porn films and looks good for his age if he wasn't on meth slash drugs. Mom looks okay for her age, too, and I'm sure was straight up hot when she was younger, yet this quote-unquote shooter is a legit 2 out of 10 in the looks department during the prime years of his life. 
I feel like he's not even their kid. The dad was on season six, episode eight, or season eight, episode six of Intervention. Aaron, he's in a YT video talking about masturbating 12 hours a day on meth. This cannot be real. This is staged. MK Ultra or Crisis Actors? Oh, God. This has been a mere sample of the remarkably insane takes people have decided to unleash about this awful event. A pattern, I think, among all of them, from the mind-numbing mainstream coverage to the conspiracist baking, that they all essentially function to pave over the truth behind death and suffering. This is, I think, a good moment, among many other good moments that even we've seen in the episode, to notice one of the main effects of the baking process within QAnon, and how it connects with the far-right media and political machine, both of which work through intensifying the fear of a non-existent enemy, and doing so produce acts of violence against this enemy. The facts related to the subsequent suffering caused by this violence must be obfuscated for this process to further intensify. And, you know, what better way of doing that than getting people to look at, I think, an event that is relatively obvious in terms of its conclusions in relation to what inspired the shooter and the on going uh, ramping up of homophobia and transphobia and, and groomer panic, and instead interpreting it as an MKUltra false flag to take away our guns, or, yeah. you know, caused by Donald, like, yeah. Yeah, anything to push out the sneaking suspicion uh, that gay and trans people are being targeted and slaughtered. Like, anything to just push out any kind of compassion for a fellow human being is like... Yeah. All of this shit makes me sick. All of this stuff. I hated this episode. Okay. I feel bad. <laughs> All right. Well, no need to leave reviews on iTunes. Jake is doing it for you in the episodes. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it was definitely a grim one. So, uh, thanks for listening to another episode of the QAnon <laughs> podcast. Unsubscribe. No. Well, <laughs> you could do that. Or you could... <laughs> Go to patreon.com slash anonymous and sub for five bucks a month. You'll get a whole second episode every week, plus access to our entire archive of premium episodes and the ongoing series like Man Clan and Trickle Down. Liv, give us, give us your plugs. I have a Twitch stream. I stream Monday, Wednesday, Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern. Um, more insane stuff like this. Um, uh, and also a podcast, a philosophy podcast, which is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search The Vagar and also on Patreon, The Vagar. If you're a small dog, you stay away from Liv, okay? You, <laughs> Thank you. You've broken her ankles. You've, you know. If you were interrupted her recording. <laughs> Liv almost gets murdered by a very tiny dog every single day. And people aren't talking about this enough. This is a problem in Canada. My own personal hell. A tiny little wiener dog yeah. comes up to me and starts barking at me, and I have to run away. And then she can't even she can't show up to the tour dates that she's supposed to come to because her ankles are broken by once again a very tiny dog. <laughs> I would push back, but that is exactly what happens. If you're already a subscriber, thank you so much. It helps us stay advertising free and editorially independent. And for everything else, we've got a website: QAnonAnonymous.com. Listeners, until next week, may the deep dish bless you and keep you. It's not a conspiracy, it's a fact. And now, today's auto I don't think Hitler was a good guy. I get the uh, the Hugo Boss uniforms, amazing. Uh, but I mean, just cause you're in love with the design, you're a designer, can we just kind of say, like you like the, the you like the uniforms, but that's about no, it. No, we, we, no, I, there, there's a lot of things that I love about Hitler. A lot of things.